Welcome back to a pre-recorded hour of the Sunday Tea Show, right here on All FM 96.9 on radio, allfm.org, if you're listening online. You're joined by me, Ruth O'Reilly, delighted to be keeping you company today. On today's show, I am continuing my theme of authors who have written novels set in Manchester with the fantastic magazine writer, poet and novelist Colin Mayo. Colin's brand new novel, Dead Man's Roulette, is a crime thriller set in Manchester. And best of all, the story of how he's come to publish it again is uh, as good as the tale itself, really, because if it hadn't been for him looking through his loft during lockdown and finding this novel that he wrote many years ago, it may never have seen the light of day again. So we'll chat to Colin about that after a track. This is The Overtones and Gambling Man. Enjoy.
Carl, and welcome to All FM. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Ruth. It's nice to be here. Thank you very much. No, it's um, it's great to have you on the show. Over the, the past few um, months, what I've been doing is I've been interviewing authors who have written novels specifically set in Manchester. So, so when I heard about your new book, Dead Man's Roulette, and that it was set in Manchester, I thought that it, it would be great to have you on the show. Now, this is a, a work of crime fiction, isn't it? And I think a bit of dark humour as well. Yes, yeah, it's it's um it's it's a work of crime fiction. I hope you have included a little bit of uh, bit of Mancunian humour in it uh, as well. So uh, um yeah, there is some some, some humour in it. So uh, it's not all. Uh, but it's quite a, quite a dark subject actually. The book deals with. So I think yes. we did need that, those elements of humour. Yeah, no, you've you've done it really well. But I was um, wondering, what's actually inspired you? How did Manchester in inspire your your writing? Um, well, well, what, what happened was I, I used to live. I mean, Temple Maxon. I'm not a, a Mancunian by, by birth. I should actually come from from, uh, from Croydon. So, but uh, um, I I lived in. Um, Stoke on Trent for probably about 10, 12 years. Okay. I moved up to Stoke in 1991. I was working working in Stoke. Um, and obviously, Stoke's not that far from Manchester. Was, this was in the 1990s, mostly quite a vibrant uh, club scene. So uh, I was privileged to come to Manchester quite, uh, quite regularly. And um, I got to sort of know Manchester, really liked Manchester. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we we, we did sort of do various trips around sort of the gay village area, Canal Street, and I really liked the drag acts. So it was something completely new to me, and I, I really enjoyed sort of going to, to see drag acts and things of that nature. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a city that I really, I really liked. So, what, what basically happened was I, I lost my job in Southern, I was, I was, I was unemployed. And I went on a, a writing course, you know, the Arvin Foundation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in Hebden Bridge. So I did a week's uh, residential with them, and uh, um, I wrote the first chapter of the book. And, and one of the authors that was uh, was taking it in the course, he suggested I write it up into a novel. Um, and I had a few attempts at doing yeah. it, and it didn't really come together until I kind of because I originally based it around Stoke, but then I, 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 it wasn't really a crime story. But then I, I thought, thought about a, 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 a crime story and, and basing it in Manchester. Obviously, Manchester's got a far larger, larger size. It's, it's a, a lot, lot more kind of amenable to, to, to that type of uh, genre in a way. Yes. It's a bit like London and Edinburgh. So it, it's, um, it, it worked really well, basically, in Manchester. I, I, I then went up to Manchester and did uh, quite a few, quite a lot of field work. I, I, I um, you probably saw that from my sort of uh, CV. I'm quite a keen, keen gambler. And I, I was a member of the Grosvenor Casino. Uh, when oh, there was one okay. in Stoke and one obviously in Manchester. So I used, used to visit the casinos as well, because quite, quite a large element of the book is, is about the main character, Luke. Uh, being a being a compulsive gambler, so um, and, uh, that's why it's called Dead Man's Roulette as yes, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely, yes, yeah. So yeah, that, that was kind of the idea of it. But when when I, I I got the idea of the crime story and based it in Manchester, it all kind of fell together quite 
quite well and uh, I was able to to sort of locate all the areas yeah. in the book that, in, that in is various very, parts um, of Manchester. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is very interesting for people, you know, that, that are living in Manchester or know Manchester quite well when they see these little references um, here and there to different parts of Manchester. It really kind of enlivens the, the experience of, of reading your work, I, I would say. Yeah, thanks. Yes, yeah. I don't think it's having it in a based in a, in a city like Manchester and, and referencing uh, it does give that realism to it, I suppose it's like similar with, uh, um, I've forgotten the author's name, it says on the Facebook, the, the books are set in Edinburgh, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Rankin, Ian Rankin, um, yeah, I, I, I quite like Ian Rankin's books and, and the fact they're set in Edinburgh, always, I think that's always quite appealing and also there's obviously Peter James with, with his Brighton novels as well, and I always think that gives that. If you know those cities, it gives it or it gives it gives you a, 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 a deeper insight into the novel. Well, you're, you're um, in there, aren't you? You feel yes, like you're, you're yeah. part of it. Mm, it's that thing you, <laughs> that you know yeah. the, the characters as well. And and I, I mm. love what you did at the beginning of this book. I mean, it's all centered around Luke there, who's having these problems with, with his marriage and then he thought oh maybe he'd have a go at reconciling with he, with his brother who he hadn't seen in, in ages only to find him dead in, in, in the garage mm. and um, I love how that's kind of like leading him to find out more about his his brother's life but the way you've kind of introduced these different characters um, into the the story as well um, every few minutes you're thinking I wonder is this person a suspect so it's really good how you kind of weaved that sense of intrigue into the novel oh, thanks yeah, thanks for that it's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, tried, I've tried to make it quite a sort of page turn and uh, I'm hopefully it's not really until the last sort of couple of chapters that you actually realise um, the full extent of, of, of what's actually been been going on. So uh, sure. yeah, I tried to, to read that in. It's a bit, bit of a page turner, and it's uh, but, you know, there's a bit of suspense there that, with, with different different things being revealed at different times throughout the book. I, I really enjoyed that. And now you actually published this um, way back, nearly ten or uh, nine years ago, was it? Oh, it was published in two o two. Yes, yes, it was actually, yeah, it's quite a strange story actually. What happened was I, I published it, um, I, I, I wrote it, I finished writing it yeah, around sort of the 2000s, early 2000s, as I started in 95, finished it in 1999. Mm. And then um, I sent it to a very small publisher in Wales called uh, Plain Tree Press, and they, they really liked it and they published it. Uh, in 2002, by that time I'd moved moved from Stoke. I'd moved and met my, my future wife Jane, who's ironically one of the characters in the book. I, I know when I realised that your wife had been so like, oh no, what did she be yeah, right? I, I, I was going to change that actually, and uh, um, when I was because I have to obviously edited it uh, to publish it with KDP, and I was going to change um, uh, my wife's name, and I kind of forgot about it, so I put the dedication into it, but unfortunately. She, she, she's uh, Luke's Luke's wife as well. But Has she read the book, your wife? Yes, yes. Okay. She, she's, she's read it. And she, she she's enjoyed it too. But she's okay yeah, with that. <laughs> yeah, she's okay with it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, she because she was obviously both before I met her. But uh, yeah, so that's quite right, amazing, I'm, isn't it? How you yeah, actually met? Bizarre, yeah, yeah, bizarre coincidence. Yeah, that uh, the, 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 the met someone called Jane, but. Um, 
Yeah, so to comment to come the story, we published in 2002. Poetry Press then went bust. Hopefully nothing to do with my book. It was, it was a small independent publisher. And um, I, I didn't really think anything more about it. Obviously, the book hadn't really sold because it, because the publisher went uh, went broke quite mm. soon afterwards. They, they didn't really promote it. And then really because of this coronavirus, I, I, I've been sorting out a lot. And I, I came across these three and a half inch um, floppy disks. Oh, that wow, that's going back. Yeah. yeah, that's going back. And I made the book on it. And I said to my wife, I said, oh, I wonder if I could... could Perhaps get this book. Obviously, you hear about the self-publishing, KDP and Lulu, and all these other self-publishers. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could get the book off. So I contacted a computer chap that we know, and he had a look at it, and he managed to get the the book off, and he put it back into a Word document for me. And that's then it was case of, yeah, yeah. So that's why it's been such a long time lag between. Uh, the book being published, but uh, I was really pleased to get it published again and, and been able to promote it myself. Um, this yeah, has been the time for books, yeah. I think. Yes, the whole um, yeah. lockdown yeah. era, people that have never written before are starting to, to write again. So this small publisher just gave you your book on a on a floppy disk. It's so lucky that you've been able to to retrieve <laughs> it again. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, and, and so I, went, I went through and I edited it again. I did did think about updating it, but I didn't think that would really work. I thought, uh, um, so I thought, well, no, I just, I just keep it, keep it as a book set, set kind of last, last century, mm. um, uh, because like, otherwise it, it could, could introduce other, other issues into, into the plot. So I thought, I'll keep it as it is, and, uh, and, and just republish it on, on KDP. So uh, yeah, I'm pleased to, to have got the book republished. So it's been, been. Uh, it been quite, quite, quite a time lag between its first publication and the second publication. Well, I think there's something that adds kind of more depth um, in in drama now that's set a little bit in in, in the past because um, you know you don't have all the the instant quality of the the online issues to the same d degree as um, we have them now and and that mm. kind of thing. And and I also thought that um, due to the themes that are kind of related to in, in the book, maybe you you brought it back um, due to the, the popularity of it's a sin. Did did you watch that? drama um I, I i i didn't watch it no but it but it, it is quite still quite i do, do accept it's quite pertinent still quite pertinent some sort of subject area sure. so yeah yeah so i did think it was quite relevant for today uh, all, all, all bits were set in the late 90s. Yeah, because that was still, as well. Mm, yeah. Mm, yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. So, so yeah. this is its time. I think that era and the topic um, and everything, mm. it's, it's having a bit of um, uh, a revival right now. And obviously, mm. so some of that will come from the fact that, you know, it's another big virus, isn't it? You know, I think, yes, that's, yeah. I think mm. that kind of comes <laughs> to play with this as well. Mm. Mm. Now, is, is crime yeah. your main genre then? Is that what, what you will always want to write about when you are writing? Um, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure, actually. <laughs> I think I've tried, tried different, um, different genres, really. Um, I did have a, a, a brief, a brief spot doing some, some erotica, um, but then I've recently written, a, written a, a stage play as well. Oh, um, wow. What's that about? Yeah. 
Right, that, that, that's that's um, it's a black comedy actually, ironically about social media. Oh, is it? Oh, more yes, dark humour yeah. in that then. Oh, that's yes, good. Yes, yeah. So, um, um, so I'm trying to look for um, a um, uh, a theatre company to put that on, but I did have a company interested, but. They, they invited me on the 5th of March last year to oh. say they were considering it for the just 2021 before. list just before the lockdown. So, oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, so I've just recently published that on KDP as well. Uh, last week, I've, I've, I've published that play, and um, hopefully, uh, amateur drama group will take that up when. Uh, we get back to some sort of normality. But, I mean, um, <laughs> there's got lots of characters in it, or is it just uh, a small few? That's kind of one of the big things, isn't it, with the all, with all the social distancing and, and everything. If it's just a, a small group that could go into a bubble or something, maybe there's more of a, a chance that you'd get that going. Yeah, there's, there's some characters in it, two, two uh, females, five male. Um, but um, it, 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 it's very much written for amateur dramatics because the sets are quite small. It's basically a living room. Um, is it, it, the set for throughout the throughout the play? So that's kind of I wrote that with that in mind that that there wouldn't be many set changes. Uh, did you write um, it during lockdown? It sounds familiar. No, it's in the living room. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I've done. And I wrote it just before. I wrote it, I wrote it in 2019, and I sent it to uh, this local amateur dramatic society. Um, and so they were quite interested in it. And actually, bizarrely, I have actually got a sort of Mancunian version of it. So really? Got, yeah, I've got two versions of it. So if there's any theatre groups in Manchester that are interested in uh, performing it, then uh, um, they can sort of give me a, give me a call and um, I'll send them a couple of the scripts to look at. So. That's amazing. I mean, you're giving yeah. me a bit of another idea now. I don't know if you've ever thought of doing it this way, but um, have you ever thought about um, doing it like a, a radio play? Um, I think I think it's quite visual. Oh, okay. I think this one is is there's, there's quite a lot of um, visual humour in 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 the play. Um, so yeah, I, I oh, don't that will take a lot of rewriting then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll take a lot of rewriting to make it uh, um, a radio play. Yeah, because I'm my wife and I do like the theatre a lot. We we, we have prior to the lockdown we used to go at least once a month. To just to see a production either amateur or, or one of the theatres either in London or locally, so we're, we're very very keen on working theatre plays. That's kind of why, why I wrote it because I've always wanted to have something on on the stage. My granddad um, was actually really heavily involved in um, amateur dramatics uh, in Ireland. He used to um, help to write plays and, and perform in them. So so I know what you mean. And it gets very um, addictive, doesn't it? The whole process. Yes, yeah. Definitely. Mm. I, I agree with you there. Now, I found it quite interesting what, what you said, that you, you lost your job and then you went on a, a creative writing mm. course. So did, did you always have it in the, in the back of your mind somewhere that, you know, you would like to be a, a writer primarily? Or was it just you were at a loose end and you thought, oh, I'll just sign up to this? No, I've, I've always sort of had a yen to be to be a professional writer. I was at fifty six now. I'm not not quite made it, but uh, um, yeah, right from my early twenties, I always liked writing, and and I wrote a book when I was about 
20 called Bitter Contentment about sort of teenage angst and things. And so I sent it to, to an agent and he was actually quite impressed with it and, and said, I've, I've definitely got, he said, yeah, definitely got some talent. Although the particular book I'd written, he said, would, would never sell. He said, there, there just wouldn't be the, the market for it. But he said, he said, you know, just carry on. So I was always quite impressed with that. So I've always like writing I've had, and I've had various pieces of success of them, uh, over the years. I mean, probably my primary success has been with, with a magazine called Best of British. Ah, uh, yes, I read the, um, about the fact that you have written lots of short stories mm. and, and articles, haven't you, on yeah, a variety yeah. of, of topics, really? Yes, yeah. So no, what's Best of British about, so, then? Well, basically, it's a, it's a nostalgia magazine, um, really, really concentrating on the, sort of the post-war period, so sort of 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s a bit really, um, and uh, it's just it's, it's just looking at, at uh, elements of British life and that period. And ironically, I've got an article in in the current issue, the April issue, on well done, <laughs> yeah, on the, on the Magic Roundup because Hal Hempstead is not, not not famous for very much, but it's famous for having. Um, uh, a, a they call it the magic roundabout. It's a big roundabout with lots of small roundabouts around the edge, and the only similar one is in Swindon. So um, I've, I've written an article about the magic roundabouts, and uh, uh, yeah, I've written a number of different articles uh, for Best of British about uh, uh, over the years. So um, uh, I've actually proposed, done a proposal today uh, for for. One about school meals. <laughs> oh, dreaded school dinners, yeah. My wife said, Oh, we might about school, school meals. So I thought, Yeah, yeah that could, might be quite interesting. So this is all, all those types of subjects that, uh, um, uh, that uh, you know, I, I, I send off proposals to the editor and he takes some and, and not others. So uh, but that's been quite a, quite a good, a good source of success over, over, over the years. Um, it, it's the best of British. Um, if but, anyone yeah, wants to check, check that magazine out, is that yeah. one that, that you get off the shelf or is it an online publication? Oh no, no, it's, it's, it's a printed uh, printed magazine. It's not, I don't think it's available as, a, as an electronic copy, oh, okay. but it's available. Well, my wife says you can get it online, uh. <laughs> but it's but WA Smith and quite a lot of, of, of some main news agents stock it, but definitely WA Smith stock it. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's just a monthly magazine. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, this lockdown <laughs> um, era, it has been kind of the era for nostalgia. I think everyone is looking mm. back at, at happier times, different times. So I think that fits in um, quite well with the uh, the current mood <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Mm. You've wrote another book, haven't you, called Shocked to Fame? Oh, sorry, that's the title of the play. Oh, that's, that's, the, that's, oh, that's the play. That's the oh, play, that's yeah, the play, yeah, the play, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the three on my head, my website is Shocked to Fame, Dead Man's Roulette, and I've also had uh, a double with some poetry called Hen's Teeth. Ah, oh, yes, that's uh, it. Yes, yeah. So yeah. Mm. I liked what you said about that, because uh, I think that's that's interesting as well, that you kind of dabble in, in poetry, because um, this month of April, of course, is... Uh, National Poetry Writing Month. That there was a mm. poetry writing uh, day 
there last month, but this is like a whole month of, of, of poetry. And you you go across the spectrum there with your poetry from bereavement to, to illness and even horse racing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's quite fun. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I mean, horse racing is probably my, my, my sort of biggest interest outside of writing. But uh, a lot of the poems were, were, were sort of inspired that's sort of like word, um, by, by, by my, 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 my dad, who, who unfortunately was, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in, in 2009. He passed away in 2010. And obviously, it's a, it's a very. Um, Difficult period you have to have to deal with with the treatment of a parent. Sure. I do find poetry quite therapeutic. I like quite a number of poems uh, about that, um, and uh, um, yeah, I found it quite quite a, quite a good release. But um, also also included in that book, I had uh, had a friend who suddenly passed away. Also also. With, with, with cancer, and uh, he he liked writing poetry, so I've, I've included a few of his poems in the book as well. Oh, that's um, really nice. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah so, it really uh, is. And yeah. I totally agree with you know what you're saying about poetry being um, so kind of therapeutic. I remember when my, my granddad actually passed away. Someone um, had written a, a lovely poem there, which was about all the, the the memories of him at his fireside chair and everything else that he did, and and it really mm. kind of comforted us to um to read that and remember him in in that poetic form and um, yes, yeah. i i love the fact that you you donated all all the proceeds to to cancer charities as well didn't you yes yeah yes that was kind of written uh written, written really with the aim to try and give give some money back to, to cancer charities um yeah because cancer is such a such a, a cruel cruel illness it affects mm. uh, so many so many families and obviously it's, it's been one of the, the the big um um issues with with, with the current lockdown and and the, and the yeah. hospitals that the, the people have not been uh, been treated or not been diagnosed um so uh, i just want i want really with the book as well to highlight that that uh, cancer um you, you know, it 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 does it, 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 it need us all to support cancer char charities and because uh, um, it touches so many lives mm. um, that um, I think it's, it's such a, a worthwhile cause to support not by the cancer cancer research or Macmillan or, or Mary Curie or any of the, the the cancer charities that do such an amazing amazing job because I know we as a family have helped a lot by. Um, Macmillan when, when when my father passed away, so uh, um, yeah, I think I, I wanted to sort of recognise and give something back. And I know my friend who sadly passed away as well. It was the same for him that mm. uh, he received a lot of support and his his, his wife as well. So uh, yeah, so I wanted to sort to highlight that with with the book of poet and the poems. Yeah. And uh, obviously, there's hardly a person uh, around that doesn't know someone that has been affected in some way by cancer. So it is a, a widespread issue. And, and as you yes, say, yeah. during the, the coronavirus, what's actually happening is uh, cancer patients had their treatments or their diagnosis even put way, way back. So it's good to keep highlighting this. And one of the things that mm. I, I, um, I liked about what you said um, about your book as well is it's a, a highly accessible poetry book. And it brings into focus that whole issue with the facts. There are still people that think, you know, oh, my God, poetry, I, I, I can't get into that. So, so have you found that, that, that poetry is, is something that it's, it, 
sometimes felt quite a, a niche um, topic, say. Yes, yeah, and I think that does put people on because I think uh, I think poetry should be sort of very accessible. And I'm I'm actually very sort of delighted that that Simon Armitage uh, Mm. became poet lawyer because I I really like Simon Armitage. I think his poetry, in the main, is very accessible. He's one of my my kind of favourite poets. Obviously. Um, uh, Ted Hughes and, and, and Philip Larkin, but but I find I find um, Simon Armitage's poetry very very accessible, yes. and I think I think he, he, he writes and he speaks in a very uh, it's all very sort of articulate way, but, but without being pretentious or um, um, you know talking talking down to people. Yeah. Sometimes poetry can be a bit. Uh, uh, it's a bit inaccessible because it's a bit, but yeah, I, I, I do like poetry that, that is, that's accessible. You don't think too much about the meaning. When I'm sitting at school looking at the, the teachers would give you a, a poem to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Cool. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yes, and you think, oh, John Dunn or someone, you know, what, what are they trying to say here? You know, and, and yeah, it's so... like figuring out cold sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then you've got right, your exam yes. on it on top of it. It's yeah, like, it is enough right. to put you off, so it is good when yeah. you can find a way mm. to... And obviously, when you start to read accessible poetry, it makes you think, oh, maybe I could, I could write um, some poetry as well, which, mm. you know, if you're just reading one of those old boring ones you know you'll never think that it's possible for you yes that's right yeah that's right and i don't think i don't think budget and and writing as well you know should be accessible and people should be uh shouldn't feel put off about uh about writing uh prose or poetry and and uh, yeah i think it is something that everyone really should you should you try to have a go at doing because I think there's, there's, there's so much reward in writing, whether or not you're published or not. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's a very satisfying thing to, 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 be, to be able to put your, your feelings on paper or to create stories, use your imagination. I, th- I think all those things are, are really worthwhile. And I think it's, it's I, think, I think one of the good things about the current education system in, in, is, is they do try and encourage more creativity in, in English now. Mm. Than perhaps it did when I, when I was at school and it was was a bit more stale. But I think think now there is a greater move to to encouraging children or young people to be be more creative in in their writing and writing poetry and, and prose and things, which which I think is very worthwhile. And this period of time has been, in general, a a more creative period of time for everyone. I think it's been the time for people to start to um, rediscover or discover their their creativity. But but how has lockdown affected your writing process? Do you think it's made you more creative or has it been a, a case of not really able to think of much just due to what's going on? Um, no, I definitely think it's, it's made me more creative. I, um, yeah, I think definitely being, being, uh, being, I mean, my wife and I don't have any children, so we're kind of, kind of home, getting, pretty getting on each other's nerves a bit. But, uh, um, yeah, de- definitely. Uh, I've, I've written uh, seven short stories during... Oh, wow. um, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I've, I, I kind of not not written short stories for years and years, uh, because I've kind of concentrated on novels, a little bit of poetry, or I've been writing this writing a play before that. Uh, but yeah, so I've, I've written seven short stories. Uh, they, they tend to tend in their main to have a slightly dark theme. I, I've did have one. I think that's by, your area then. That's your yeah, genre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a, bit, a bit dark. I did have one published by by uh, Bandit. 
magazine okay. in January, and that was called Lockdown Tuesday, which which was actually about the lockdown and about the effects of, of a guy who was actually based in New York who was working at home. Um, and uh, one of the, the, the side effects of the lockdown was that he, he was he was carrying on an affair, which obviously he, he couldn't couldn't continue with because uh, he couldn't go into the workplace, which was on quite quite a number of occasions. And um, he was kind of focusing on on his thoughts while he was working at home and about his wife and his his, his, his mistress. So and uh, yeah, that was published. It was it was kind of black humour, uh, and that was published. Um, as I say, January by, by Bandit. But yeah, I've written quite a number of, of short stories, which I've been pretty pleased with my creative output during the during the lockdown. So it, it has had some benefits. Um, That's fantastic. Often, you know, you, you're, yeah. you're getting published quite regularly. Um, so you're quite mm. in, inspiring, because I think a lot of people think that uh, writing is such a, a boring process, maybe, with nothing much happening. But but you are keeping the um, the momentum going by frequently being published in, in not just one particular um, place or shop, but between the, the books and the articles, yeah. the, the different formats as well. Have you got any tips, say, for would-be authors or, or would-be um, writers, if they just are embarking on this journey as we're in this betwixt between lockdown and not lockdown, and they think, oh, this is a good time to start writing. Got any like tips that you would um, encourage to get that going? Yeah, I, I think you know, everyone's got, as they say, you know, the young cliche, everyone's got a book in them, and I think um, I, 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 my, my sort of tips would certainly be to start off. Um, on a small scale, perhaps looking at, at writing short stories. I think I think now with with the the growth of the internet, there's so many e magazines mm -hmm. out there. I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds of uh, e magazines, which obviously they won't pay. I mean, Bandit didn't pay me. Um, it's your name out there, though. But it gets it? your name out there, and you get you get the prestige of thinking, oh, I've had a magazine, I've had a story published, I've got some positive. Uh, feedback on it as well from 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 readers that that, that read that magazine. So so that, you know that also boosts your confidence. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say yeah, writing short stories is is a, is a good way uh, into uh, into sort of writing and and getting confidence, and then perhaps uh, build up your confidence, and then look at look at something longer like a a, a, a novel. And obviously with with self publishing, it is quite easy now to. Uh, to get your, your, your a novel published, uh, you, you publish it yourself. There's obviously KDP with Amazon, but obviously a number of other self-publishing uh, uh, forums. So um, yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend that everyone have a as a go at uh, writing. But I think at the end of the day, it's not so much about being published. I think. Of it comes down to just doing it for yourself and enjoying mm. what you do and enjoying like writing the, poetry. The journey you, you know, and the process. The journey, yeah, yeah, rather than, than thinking, oh, I must get this published. I think when I was younger, I always had this thing, oh, I'm writing this to be published, I, I want to get published. And it, it was frustrating because things would come back and they get rejected. And obviously, the thing mm. with any anything creative is you're going to suffer a lot of rejection. But I think as I got older, one thing, that, that I have learned is that to, to, to just write for its own sake, as I said, I've written seven short stories during during this lockdown. I've only actually sent about three to two publishers, one's been, been accepted, two have been rejected. 
and the others I've kind of just kept hold of for now, and, and I may send them off in the future, and I may not, may, mm -hmm. you know. But but it, it, but it does, that wasn't the reason I wrote them. I didn't write them really for any, anything else other than my own kind of enjoyment. Obviously, it's always nice to see your name in print and um, have things published. But at the same time, I think uh, write write for yourself, write what you like to write, um, and mm. write for your own enjoyment. It, it's There's a bit of freedom. <clears throat> There's a bit of freedom in that, isn't there? You know, you kind of mm. off the hook once you're you're doing it for yourself, and it means that yes, everything yeah. mm. um, in life and whoever you encounter that they're possibly going to end up as um, inspiration for for a book or um, a poem or something like this. So. What's next for you in terms of books? Uh, have you got any more plans to, to publish any more? Because I'm thinking about, you know, Dead Man's Roulette. Is there any kind of scope there for, for a sequel to that? Or is everything solved or all in this sweet one novel? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would, I would uh, do a sequel to, to Dead Man's Roulette. But I have, I've got sort of an idea for another crime novel so <laughs> that might might come back come come soon but oh, soon. but uh, yeah i've definitely got no idea for another crime novel. as you can kind of say at the beginning i think crime is probably my genre i think crime and black comedy are my kind of two uh two areas that uh that i quite like so um um yeah definitely i've 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 i'm thinking in terms of possibly looking at writing another crime novel uh, to, as the year goes on. Oh, I love it's, your uh, yeah. creepy, humorous characters there, like <laughs> the creepy guy in, in, in the casino and, um, yeah, you know, the, the photographer, um, the, the partner of, of, of um, Luke's brother, and you're thinking, oh, what, mm. you know, what's going on there? Are they, mm. are they oh, can they be trusted or not? It's, re it's really <laughs> funny. Yeah, thanks, thanks. You, you've got an, another book coming out though as well, don't you? Called Shattered Love. Is that a book or is that something else? Well, that 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 is actually a book of short stories. That's actually kind of where I was thinking of these seven short stories that I'd written this during the lockdown. Um, I was actually again. It was, this has been partly inspired by by the by the lockdown because I've been doing so sorting out the loft, and I've actually found hard copies of uh, quite a lot of stories. I wrote quite a lot actually when I, I wrote them in Stoke. Oh wow! Uh, I remember quite a vibrant writer circle in Stoke. And I used to read Devon's Roulette out to them on a regular basis. We used to be quite regular, and they, 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 it was a really good little group. I found but, people uh, in Stoke so friendly, and I love the way they always call you Duck as well every yeah. time I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Duck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, little, little Duck, uh, Stoke, uh, sort of, um, yeah. saying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mither, that was another yeah. one. Oh, well, yeah, we have a lot that... of Mithering going on in Manchester as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Mither, yeah, I think it's a northern one, but, but yeah, when I first came out to Stoke, I was quite uh, quite impressed by some of the, the impressions. And the first time a guy called me Duck was a little bit <laughs> <laughs> a little bit disconcerting. But uh, yeah, no, the, uh, I love Stoke. I, I thought the people were very very friendly. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great community in Stoke. And we, we well, one of just been sort of reminiscing because we we're watching that great pottery. Um, oh yeah. Uh, down and that—that that was at Gladstone Pottery Museum in Stoke. And I, I lived probably uh, I don't know, less than a quarter of a mile away from from that pottery museum. Oh really? I've got that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really it's fascinating great, place. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great little museum. But 
Yeah, so, so yeah, a lot of these stories were written in Stoke, and, and I've, 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 I, I, I thought, well, actually, I've gotten typed up, and I, I found a local typist, and she's gradually typing them up for me. And I thought, well, I'll put them together with the seven short stories I've written this year, and possibly uh, publish them myself in a, in a book. And obviously, if, if I get some of them published as well, I can just say, well, this was first published by, by Bandit, or, or whoever's first published it. But because uh, yeah, I, I did have a short story published in a magazine called That's Life, a woman's magazine oh, yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, I had um, a letter published there once. It's <laughs> not so oh, impressive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they used to yeah. make good money though, didn't they? They, they, they did, they, yeah. Yeah, they, but letters, yeah, letters and stories. I mean, they, you know, it's, uh, it was quite a little, little, a good little market. I also had a short story published in Just Seventeen, a sort of teen magazine. Oh, it was wow, actually written, loved that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was actually about a girl that was a big Oasis band. That was always really prevalent yeah. person in the 90s. So that was, uh, yeah, to... Um, i still got a little collection of Just Seventeens. I think about 20 of them <laughs> stuck right. in a drawer. It's going to encourage me to get them out now and just in the off chance that I can find your story. That would be amazing. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I might just put, put them all together in a, in a, in a bit of a collection and, and, and self-publish, I mean, having sort of done the KDP. And I'm pretty pretty impressed with it, really, how, how the book uh, is being produced, because I think it's far far more professional than the original version from Plain Tree Press in 2002. So, so I thought, yeah, well, I'll perhaps put, put, put some stories together and see how that goes. So, mm. yeah, I've got that on my mind as well to do. So. <laughs> Maybe this is its time, you know, as you, as you said, it's kind of like a, a lot will have been lost in, in the old style of formatting and, mm. and, and stuff mm. like that. I mean, you know, I can imagine if it was on, you know, like dot matrix printer or something, a lot yes, can, yeah. can get lost in those old formats. But I love the way you're recycling your work and updating it. And it's good to, to see how you've how your thought process has changed as a writer as well, how you have kind of developed and how maybe you want to update it or keep it the same for its mm. nostalgic value. So that's really interesting. Yes, yeah, I've, I've quite enjoyed doing it. It's sort of going back over old stories. Sometimes I've suffered a little bit low, low self-service on oh, my, my work's not, not that good. And then you come in and say, well, that's bad. The hindsight was from yeah. 20 years or almost. Well, that's bad. It's not that that was all right. Well. Yeah. Yeah, that was all right. That was People all right. Um, think that about photographs of themselves as well. There's something about that mm. objectivity, isn't there? You know, because you're a slightly different person now and you can still kind of... Um, you can kind of connect with a little bit of of your old self. So I think that's been a great lockdown um, hobby mm. for you to, to go over your and, and thank goodness that you you were into writing for from such a, a young age really and it does give you the opportunity to to look back in this way. I think it's really effective. Mm. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, yeah. It's been one of the positive swing from the lockdown is it's really sort of been able to go back to my writing and, and to look at these old stories which I would have never touched because I found them all up in the loft and I'd have never looked at them again and I thought yeah okay I'll take a few of those uh, took, the, took the files down and uh, started reading them back so I thought actually, actually some of these stories are actually pretty good mm -hmm. but they say you know then I've, I've gone and um, actually got them typed up and then gone back through them again and, and edited them and because uh, I can always make improvements and uh, yeah so yeah okay I could perhaps put these in, into some sort of collection. Sometimes um, writing can be like a bit of ahead of its time 
you know so it comes more so into its time in in this um yeah. current mm. situation than it would have before but but yeah um colin to to wrap up if anybody wants to get in touch with you read some of your work um give you some feedback what's the best way of of contacting you or, or reading what what you've written uh well probably with this probably to go onto my my website which is www.colinmayo.com and um, all my work, I update the website regularly, so all my sort of work is on there. And then um, also at the bottom of the page, there's uh, where you can follow me on Twitter, Colin Mayo9, um, and that's there's a link to Twitter on my website. And also at the bottom of the website is an email address if people want to sort of contact me personally. Uh, hopefully not with abusive comments. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, surely uh, not. No, but uh, surely not. No, if anyone wants to, to, to contact me, then they can they can um, email me uh, directly or, or follow me on Twitter. Or uh, as I say, if you have just an update on, on what I'm doing, then then please uh, please feel free to to look at my website and uh, as I say, update that, that work regularly with with uh, what, I've, what I've published. And and all the books are on Amazon right now as well. Must uh, just mention that. Yeah, so all on Amazon. Yeah, everything I've published is, is on Amazon. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, Colin. I look forward to um, reading the rest of Dead Man's Roulette because I only just started it last <laughs> night. But but yeah, it's been really good. So wish you all the very best. And you'll have to let us know when your next um, piece of of writing or, or whatever is is available. Well, thank you very much, Ruth. Thanks for, for having me on. Uh, on and um, yeah, thank, thank you for the interview. No problem. Okay, you take care of yourself. Bye for now. Uh, thanks, Ruth. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Chapter one, October nineteen ninety-eight. The body swung. A thick rope was cast over Arthur. A chair lay on his side in a pool of dirty engine oil. The body swung. The garage smelt of petrol and staleness and death. A trail of paraffin had seeped from the garage, polluting the crystal-like frost out on the drive. It had been this fluid that had roused Luke's curiosity when he had received no responses to his knocks and calls. A blurred movement seen through the garage window had alarmed him. He had forced the door. Unsettled by a light breeze, the body swung. The jaw had fallen open and the eyes glared with a skull-popping insanity. Those eyes, those wide-open eyes, stared out into the white, bright outdoors to where Luke now stood. They seemed to penetrate him, to get beneath his skin and bone and into his mind. They appeared to read his colliding, confused thoughts, filled as they were with profanity and panic. A paraffin heater had been kicked over by flying feet as the body had seemingly refused to obey the command to die. The body had apparently kicked out fueled by mounting hysteria till death had become inevitable. The garage was a mess. Now all was at rest. The dead weight of Beatless body hung, suspended like a bag of flour lifted from an Amsterdam barge. It was the mirror that caught Luke's attention, a broken piece of rust-spotted glass that rested against the back wall of the garage. It reflected the legs, or rather the feet, Feet that pointed down and in their shoeless state seemed bewilderingly long. 
an illusion caused by two grey socks which made a slow descent towards the floor. Beneath the feet lay a pair of shoes, slip-ons that become victims of the same irresistible force. The body swung, the rope creaked. Luke edged further into the garage. He reached out and touched a slab of leg. Repulsed, he turned away from the body, closed his eyes, bent double, held his head in his hands, dropped to his knees. Thick black engine oil soaked into his trousers. He shook his head, desperate to rid his mind of the image of the hanging man, willing that when he looked again, the body would not be there, praying that he would leave the garage and knock on the front door once more, only this time his brother would answer. Then, after two long years in which he had not spoken to each other, nor even acknowledged a birthday or a Christmas, they would make up. Danny would no longer be persona non grata. Luke stared down at the oil. Something glinted. He carefully lifted the object out of the soupy grime, a circular piece of plastic, a contact lens coated with oil. He rubbed it between his fingers to clean it, then absolutely dropped it in his jacket pocket. He got to his feet and faced the body, gulped, walked there. The scarf round his neck seemed too thick, his collar choked him, his work tie seemed to asphyxiate him. He pulled at the suiting clothing in a desperate effort to breathe, but body garments killed him as the rope had killed Danny. He stumbled from the garage and closed the door. It seemed to be the right thing to do, like drawing a blanket over the deceased. The morning sun had begun to melt the frost. Ice, like tiny specks of diamond, sparkled on the roof of the second-hand Volvo estate parked in the drive. Luke's moist eyes fixed on the gold logo on the driver's door. Daniel Jordan, photography for every occasion. Halfway down the path, Luke retched, his stomach contorted with involuntary spasms. He splattered bile and breakfast onto the tarmac. He swayed back to his car as if he were drunk and collapsed onto the black roof. Pulling his mobile phone from his jacket, he pressed three shaky nines. There's been an accident, a terrible, terrible accident. His mouth felt dry. He threw down his phone, clasped his hands together, gazed skyward. Why, Danny? Why? We the people fight for our existence We don't claim to be perfect, but we're free Our dreams alone with no resistance Fading like the stars we wish to be
Bit of Oasis there with Little by Little. And before that, you heard an exclusive extract from Colin Mayo's new book, Dead Man's Roulette. Now, this month of April is, in fact, National Poetry Writing Month. And as you heard in the interview, Colin has actually written a book of poetry as well, entitled Hen's Teeth. So coming up is one of Colin's poems from that book. It's a touching piece, really, um, about how he dealt with learning that his father was seriously ill. So this piece is entitled Sugar. Sugar. Can you have sugar? My mother asks. Dr. Apocalypse has just diagnosed a tumour and spots on his chest. Surely it's time he had a rest. He shuffles uncomfortable and looks to his colleague, cancer specialist Mr. Vendetta. He can, he can, the good doctor explains, as if it's obvious to all who have a brain. Dad sits in his chair and raises a smile at the absurdity of it all. I go back later that night. How are you, Dad? I ask as I sit down. Brown officers, Dad. I've been told I'm going to die. It may not come to that, I say reassuring. But we both know his life is dripping away like ice thawing. Big thank you to Colin Mayo for being my special guest on today's show. And if you want to find out more about Colin, do visit his website, which is colinmayo.com. Lots of articles, lots of news about what he's writing next, all available for you on there, as well as links to the rest of his social media. Well, we're almost at the end of another pre-recorded hour of the Sunday Tea Show. I've been Ruth O'Reilly, been delighted to have kept your company. Thank you, dear listener, for listening. Till next time, take care of yourself. Bye for now.